Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bramley Moor Blues. Today we ha- we discussed the double header with um, AFC Bournemouth, an average aggregate, uh, no, an aggregate score of seven one in two disastrous games down in Dorset. As always, I'm joined by my partner in all things good and bad regarding Everton, Connor Skelly. How are you, Connor? Uh, well, I mean, I'm. We've got plenty to talk about. Um, I regarding Everton. What can I like? Um, let's be honest. We were completely. We've been completely humiliated. Um, yeah. we've been outclassed, and we've been outplayed and outfought, and frankly, out. The manager's been outtaught on two occasions by Gary O'Neill, and we've been battered, and I mean battered both times. Well, let's get into the well. Let's get into the stats that belie uh, the uh, the the uh, aggregate score. So, yesterday, uh, obviously, it was a three 0 scoreline. Expected goals: two point four five for Bournemouth versus uh, less than one uh, for Everton, zero point eight three. That's a not at all surprising statistic for any of those who've been watching Everton regularly. We had more possession, 64% to 36%. However, big chances created, they fell with Bournemouth again, 3-1. to one. We had more passes. So this is again hinting at a change in style of play. We, uh, we overall had 542 passes with an 86% pass accuracy versus Bournemouth's 305 with only 73%. We, we won more tackles, but ultimately, when you look at the shots, we had uh, they had 16 shots versus our 15, but they had nine on target, and we only two had three, three to ours. It's all showing a very depressing picture, isn't it, Connor? It's showing a trend. We're 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 talking. It seems like every time we do these pods lately, sorry, we've we've. There's a trend, and that trend is a trend of a poor team. And poor teams don't create chances. Managers, all managers, they, they, they set out to build a team that can create chances. That's what they do. That's the game. That's the, that's the game, the name of the game. And when you create the chances, hopefully you can put them away. We're not creating the chances. And we actually... If you look at the stats and the XG, our XG is like not particularly terrible. Well, our XG is terrible, but the individual player's XG is not particularly terrible. We're not missing chances. We're not creating chances. And we're conceding goals. We've just been beaten 7-1 by Bournemouth. And, I know, and, and people will say, oh, well, the first game got beat 4-1, but that was, you know, the reserves or against the reserves. That, for me, that's even more damning. Because you, for me, that you can't blame. You've had two cracks at the whip. You can't blame, um, you know, the, the, you've had two cracks with, with two different sides. So you, your squad has been assessed there against Bournemouth squad, and we've come out getting hockeyed. Um, Frank Lampard's had two chances up against Gary O'Neill. And the players weren't comparable with their careers. But I know who's winning the duels coaching-wise. I know who is, who's out-thought 
the other. So you're talking about Gary O'Neill versus Frank Lampard in this. Well, if, if essentially you've had these had. If you're the manager, okay, so you're Gary, you're you're Frank Lampard, and you're coming up against Bournemouth, and you went. It's almost like a series, and it's in the same week. If it's like an American sport, and you have, in the same week you play two games, okay, and you've had two chances to put up some kind of performance, and in both games with your reserves and with your first team, you've got hockeyed. That points to a systematic flaw. That points to a coaching flaw. It points to a recruitment flaw. This is a flaw of, of the club. This isn't, you can't point to players individually. Yeah, okay, we look at the cup game and there was some horrific performances. You look at that league game we just had against them and equally, individually, Horrific performances. There's a couple I want to talk about. There's a few in particular. But these performances, I think, I really think, are the result of systematic failures with coaching. Mm. And I think, and we we kind of hinted at it for the last few weeks, because it's been, the trend has been going this way. We've been keeping an eye on the data. And the trend has been going this way. I think we're looking at a failed manager. And I think, and, and I know, just let me finish this point. I think we're looking at a failed manager. And if you, we have the, we, we take the example of Aston Villa, who had a, a great player and there's great comparisons all through their careers, Lampard and Gerrard. And they took Gerrard. And they basically, all the fans that know what they're talking about, weeks and weeks before he was sacked, were saying, Time to go, time to go, time to go. And they were saying Pochettino. They were saying Tuchel. They were saying Graham Potter. And they got Emery, who's a great coach. And they got Emery, a, a football coach. Somebody you know for being a football coach. Not who you know for being a great player. So the club's not blindsided. He's a football coach. And you watch their game since he's taken over. Instant impact. Instant change. Instant organisation. Instant improvement. Do you think there's a problem within the industry that there's always there's always rose tinted glasses towards those um, manager managerial candidates who were great players? Yeah, I think there's a blind spot. I think we 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 give managers jobs based on their the presumption that oh well, he was a great player, so we'll get the respect to the dressing room, and therefore well, that will translate into being a great team coach. I, it's it's completely. Mad, actually, bounded. Yeah, and illogical to think that way. Well, but there that's... have been examples of great players who've been great managers: Zidane, Enrique, Guardiola, Mancini. Okay, well, mean... I'll, I'll... go on. Okay, so Zidane. There's there's an example, but he's managed a great, like a, one of the best. He's managed a team that's expected to win the European Cup every year. Sure, he went and did it, and that's fine. But the other players you mentioned are great, Guardiola. And you have our Tata now at Arsenal. They were never great players. They were really good, intelligent players mm-hmm. that you would expect to, you know, that that could like you're not gonna. It's not a, a black and white rule where you have a great manager or a great player that could never be a great man. It doesn't work like that. Mm. But we look at all the like some of the great managers, and a lot of them. There is a trend that a lot of them weren't great players, and it's the old saying: those who can't teach 
And I think that rings true sometimes. And I think we've been blindsided. I think Villa were blindsided with Steven Gerrard and he got found out. I think we may have been blindsided with Lampard. Pass it around the back. All this stuff. He's a player, like, as a manager, he's the, the guy that you'd see down the pub. And I did say on previous podcasts, you know, he sees what we see. And he's the kind of player, he's the kind of, he knows his football. But in saying that, his teams are playing like a t- my team would play. If I was a football manager, which I'm not, because I'm not qualified to be, I would tell my t- players, get out there, pass the ball around. I want tidy football on the deck, feel the ball. You know, be be happy with the balls. Remember his first training sessions. Absolutely, and I and think, but this that, idealist version of football, and and it's all well and good, but it doesn't. It's not reality. Well, this is where I think I'm. I'm going to take the counterpoint to this. I think that Frank Lampard has got a vision. We've seen a glimpse of that vision. He might need to go back to some some uh, elements of practicality with the way we play. And that the, the, the vision was Crystal Palace. Now, we have to move on from there. But that gives me hope. The club have let him down. The recruitment, you, you can almost imagine what Frank Lampard said to Kevin Thelwell and the rest of the board. I want characters and I want players. They got him some characters, Tarkowski, Connor Cody. The defence is solid. They got him another character, another great player in Onana, who yeah. is just going to continue to improve. Whether that's at Everton or elsewhere, I don't know. But then they supplement that with Neil Mopai, Dwight McNeil, uh, Idrissa Garnagay, whose who's position, as much as I love him and we were all romantic about him coming back, although there was that baggage of, uh, of the uh, political situation, which we won't go into, um, we were all happy to have him back, especially for the fee. These were fundamentally bad signings. He can't do very much with that. You have got two strikers who do not fit one profile. You have to change the way you play. So in an evolving side with limited players, you have to then change everything up with a completely different striker who's five foot eight versus a striker who's six foot three um, but can't stay fit. There should have been a prototype fit for that. We spent 35 million on that. We, you look at someone like Leicester, they bought that Wout Fies. Who, who was excellent against Everton. Mm. We didn't even look in that direction. This, you cannot tell me in Europe that there wouldn't be players who could fulfill the roles that, um, to a better degree, that we bought Dwight McNeil and, and Neil Mopay for. We mm. fundamentally look at low-yield leagues. I, on our own Twitter feed, we, we tweeted Market Insights, an assessment of transfers over the, pa- over the past 10 years, and we are in the proverbial zone of doom where we overspend and underperform. We predominantly buy from one league. This is just poor recruitment. And I think Frank Lampard, although he has his flaws as manager, I can't deny that. He's a guy who's learning his game. And yes, he probably did get the jobs he's had due to his playing career. He is a common sense manager. He has a way of playing. He's got a fantastic coaching team behind him. And he he identified key issues which we've improved upon. But where was the support from the club when we needed those two attackers? And instead, they bought Dwight McNeil, who has been settling in well, and I know you have a soft spot for him, but he's got a limit. He's got a ceiling that's fairly low. And Neil Mope is an average to below average Premier League striker who does not fit what we need. Why mm. do we spend £12 million on him? When all the other time, when through the whole summer, we were linked with 
we were linked with tall strikers, big physical presences. There's another player who, you know, I look at, someone like Paulinha, who's now settling in fantastically well at <laughs> Fulham. That was a 21, 20 million pound player who plays in the role of Ghana Gay, mm. more efficient and safer on the ball. He's been fantastic against us and against mm. United now. Why is also looking? Yeah. He's, he, Paulinho is also a player that people knew. Exactly. Like, we all knew Paulinho from Sporting Lisbon. Like, you know, everybody who has a FIFA or Championship Manager knew who Paulinho was. You know, he's kind of a, a, like a, an established good player who we kind of knew was going to be a good player. Yet instead, Con, we go and we waste a whole summer chasing Idrissa Ghana Gay, who can't get out of PSG and get him on the final day of the transfer window. Make and it make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. He's 33. We need to try to replace him. within, And it looks like we need to replace him this season. I think, yeah, I, I agree. Like, when you look at Ghana's stats yesterday, I'm going to settle down now because, you know, I, I've... I love the... Raging about the situation. I love but, it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just raging about the situation. But, okay, so... He can... Ghana gave the ball away 20, more than 20 times yesterday. And for a, for somebody who were expect, and I'm not surprised by the way, I'm not surprised he gave the ball away more than twenty times yesterday because the position he plays in, we said it before on the other podcasts, he receives the ball from the defence, he, he hasn't got the ability to play in the pivot like that. Absolutely. Like and you're giving, and if Ghana's given the ball away twenty, he's supposed to be recovering the ball. He's like the aggregate numbers when you have somebody like a Ghana gay in your team is that you retain the ball more than you give it away. On, on average. Absolutely. He's not retaining the ball and he's giving the ball away every time he bloody well gets it. Like, we're talking about he had a 77% passing, actually, which actually surprises me. He he misplaced... He only completed 54 of 70 passes yesterday. Which in that role is horrific. In that role is suicide. Sorry to use a horrible term. But that's the death... That's the doom zone, as you like to call it. I know it's a different kind of meaning no. for that, you know, but it you're in the you're in the zone of doom. You're in the zone of doom. I mean, you can't you can't win games like that. We played against okay, and so that's a coaching error, but also well, it's a yeah. coaching error, you know. So it's 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 both. You know, we we've recruited Ganagay, but we and everybody was blindsided by that as well because of previous. But maybe the game's moved on. Maybe we, ha- I don't know, maybe he's got worse. Whatever it is, um, it has certain people at the top of the club's fingerprints all over it, by the way. And I, like I was saying before, I don't necessarily blame Lampard. I think there is other institutional factors at play. The recruitment has been poor. But then you look at the flip side of that, we've got players off the books. Well, to some extent. So, there, like, Telwell has... You know, done okay, but yeah, you're right. The, the Mope and McNeil signings really for thirty million. When we when we all knew, we all knew we needed to buy a striker. We all knew that DCL's in the in the meaning category now. He's like we're not going to get the, the 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 productivity, the games, the attendance rate, basically, if you want a better expression, yeah, you know, no, yeah. out of them, and. Then to, to to have our backup strikers being Mope and then the obvious dog shite, sorry, you know, you know, Rondon, he's just not good enough. 
Well, this actually brings on to an interesting point. We will talk about the game a little bit. And what part of that game was Tom Cannon coming on. I thought he looked okay. And I thought he did far more. Yeah. In the 15 minutes. What did, tell me more game. what you made of him. What do you make of him as a player? Do you think there's well, some kind of hope there for him? And I, I, to be honest, the other kid I'm impressed with too. Stanley Mills. Yeah. I he beats a man. Good. Every time he comes yeah. on, he beats a man. Yeah, I think he's a good little player. He didn't come on yesterday, obviously. Yeah. But, um, he's a good little player. I know Stanley he came Mills. on against, in the cup, you know. Yeah. He's a good little player, Stanley Mills. Look, but the first the first thing, when I always think that academies should work like universities, almost like a finishing school. They might not transition into playing for Everton, but they should transition into a career of some sort. Mm. And I think the first que- question to be answered is about Stanley Mills and Tom Cannon is, can they make it? And I think they can. That's the first thing. They can make it in men's football. The next thing you've got to say is, can Tom Cannon play for Everton? And on the limited evidence I have seen, he came on and he had a shot on target within five minutes. But that's so, yeah, that's one of one thirty-three percent of all our shots on target <laughs> yesterday. Probably about uh, probably about five percent of all our shots on target this season. <laughs> so um, that's the first thing. Tick. He's nippy. He's got good movement. He showed more movement than Neil Mope did in the whole game. He's a he's a taller striker. He's obviously physically light. He's 19 years old, and that comes with the territory. Tom Cannon, I think, as a stopgap measure on the bench for the next three games, fine. And I'm, I'll say this with most of our players. He needs to go out on loan. And then we'll get the real asset test. Because you've got someone like Ellis Sims. He was another player that I looked up. He scored on Friday against Birmingham City for Sunderland. He had an XG of 0.2 and he scored a goal. So he's outperforming. And if you look at his general stats, he's outperforming his XG. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he, knows where, he knows where to back it. Yeah. I like the way he always seems to pass the ball into the goal. Exactly. And he, old, he, is, yeah. he has that poacher instinct. He's averaging one in three. That's his career stats from Scotland, League One, and now the Championship. And that's a consistent one in three. Mm. He'll yeah. only get better, but he, he's probably not the answer for us. However, he's a better option than Rondon. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and might, might yield some kind of a market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We could, and that's the way we should be looking at our, at our, at our um, academy as this kind of, you know, almost this farm. Uh, you know, we are Finch Farm after where, where we can yeah. harvest these youth yeah. players, teach them, give them a career. And if they can transition into Premier League footballs with ourselves, that's even better. And we should be aiming to get one or two of these players into the team every year anyway. But yeah, Tom Cannon, potential. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so in terms of, because we, we do need players to come through, whoever they are, be it the Sims, Cannon, whoever it is, because what we have isn't working. You can play Mopai until the cows come home. You can play him all week. And if, we, if we're set up the way we're set up, this, this guy didn't score. This, you know, all of, he was a poor finisher at Brighton and they created chances. He's a one in four. Yeah, and what about if you're if you're a team like us who's not creating chances? Do the maths, Frank Lampard. Exactly. Do the maths. It's not that difficult. We have three wins in fifteen games, right under Frank Lampard. Three wins in fifteen games. We've eleven got. We've scored eleven goals this season. We've had three shots on target yesterday, which is actually yeah. more than we usually have. <laughs> like that's you know that's above our average away this year. Well, that's the thing is, you, you, which, which, and this is, I'm kind of going against myself in this. Uh, you know, we we are transitioning into a team that has more possession. 
that's great if we do something with it. But we're clearly not doing anything with it. And that's the worry. You know, the point of possession is to get the players that, as you said, this is what you said earlier on in the show, the point of possession is to get the players who are going to make a difference into the game. We do not get a Wobi into the game. We just don't. He, he mm. It shows you that his expected assist this year are 1.5 and he's got five. He is a very good footballer who is able to make the difference, but we don't get him in the game. Yeah, how can we when we've got ga- Gay? Giving the ball away. 20%. Giving the ball away like 25% of the time. And that um, is a, we all talk about the attack, but there is a real problem in that midfield, in that pivot role. There is a real problem there as well. Yeah, well, I think that's... If we're looking at people are saying we need number 10, we need... No, I think we need a, a striker, and I mean a striker, a big money, big striker. I, you know, 30, 40 million pounds, and we need somebody in a pivot role who can play and, and control the, the tempo of a game. And we can get that extra winger in who can make those direct runs into the box. Lovely jubbly. But yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the, our problems are fixed. Like the Iwobi, in a, like lack of Iwobi productivity, especially lately, you know, that's solved by a good pivot. Um, would you play Onana? Would you play Onana in the pivot now? I would love to, but I just don't think he has the confidence to play there. Like he does, he, he might have the confidence when he's walking around the, the you know the, the ground before the game and chatting away. He's a lovely, confident lad, but it, how confident is he? Like he's, I think he's still shitting himself a little bit, to be honest. Well, he's only a young fella. Is um, he going to do it? Is he going to lose the ball any more than twenty times in a game? No, I don't it. think so. Yeah. And I think his physicality. He's six foot four, six foot five. We'll, we'll get him out of a lot of situations. Mm. Um, I think Adrizzi yeah. Barnagay has never been a true pivot. He's always been a, you know, a, a terrier. You know, he's yeah, a terrier. And I don't know what we did beforehand. I can't remember what we did beforehand that we have such fun. Like, he was good enough to be signed for PSG. And, you know, we have such fun. Well, we let him we... play. That's the thing. We just let him play, win the ball back. And if you look at his numbers, he still wins the ball back a lot. But yeah. You know, he, he that's that means he's vacating his position. And it also, you know, he's never been a half turn player. Mm. Um and this is not this is not just we're not gonna target Idris Garnagay. We're just showing how Ah, uh, we're targeting Idris Garnagay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're funda- it's a fundamental position that we've recruited incorrectly for. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. And, and, Idris and, yeah. is great in the squad. Idris Garnagay is great in centre midfield, but he is not great as a pivot. Yeah. And that's and, and that's he's so he's another failed, another poor strategic decision yeah. by the people who are supposed to be in charge of strategy at the club. Exactly, and 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 this is where I fall into 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 sympathy with with Frank Lampard. He has probably said to them, "I need a pivot, I need a, a, a couple of attackers, and I need a whole new midfield." Um, and they've brought him and some characters as well, and they've brought him Idrissa Gonaga, Neil Maupe, and Dwight McNeil, like. How is he going to, you know, how? How is he yeah. going to make any, any headway with that? <laughs> yeah. Now, what we can do since then is that there have been some some errors. Like, I would switch Onana and Idrissa Garnage. I would switch them around now. Mm. Um, uh, James Garner is a good signing, but, I mean, he played, he didn't play particularly well in, in, in uh, midweek. No, uh, and, and I didn't he, think so. Some people were saying he played well. I I didn't think he played so. Well. Yeah, I thought he gave all away a lot. Do you know that? Like, uh, do you know what I found interesting yesterday as well? So we had the early injury, like with the game. So we'll mm. talk about the game a little bit because we've got we talked for almost an hour here, or well, fifty minutes, 
and uh, or forty minutes, is it? yeah. And uh, we haven't really discussed the game yesterday. I know we've discussed about you know people giving the ball away, but I I was like making the the comparison between Villa and how they're pre you know pre Emery and now Emery. Villa went one 0 down today, um, mm-hmm. away at Brighton, and they came back and they won. Do you know that? Bournemouth, okay, before we played them in the league, and I'm talking about league games, had lost four in a row, right? So we're not talking about a good team here, Absolutely. right? They've they in their last two games, they surrendered lead, uh, leads to Spurs and Leeds United. And one was like when they were 3 0 up or 2 3 you know, 1. Three, one up. Yeah, 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 okay, right? So, so a team with any character and bollocks, to be perfectly frank about it, would have at least giving you like this is a fragile team that loses and we didn't look at any moment at any, in either game like getting back into it even when Gray scored the fact that we got back into it and then you know in the, in the previous game and they went and scored two goals and they hockey was yesterday this this is worrying stuff and then I think about what Frank was saying after the game he hung the players out to dry Frank's comments There'd be a couple of people there. They'd be knocking on my door. Now, do you see why they aren't playing now? Really? Like, you, like, is that an appropriate thing to say? We all well, kind of got riled up. Yeah, give it to them, Frank. Yeah, well, the Blue Room, in their post-match analysis, picked up on this point as well. First of all, he's put all the pressure on this game. Because he, essentially, if we're being totally honest, he gave up the midweek game, which we accept. Okay, fine. You know, that's a managerial decision. I don't agree with it, but that's his decision. You've put all the pressure on this game now. And you've also told the people who are meant to be fighting for the first team places in this game that they're not good enough to play. So does that mean that the players in the first team just put put their feet on the table, get the cigars in their mouth because they know they're going to play? I felt like, for example... Maybe a faux pas on his behalf, but is is it that big an issue? Ultimately, you know, the players who are starting... They should not be losing 3-0. And the bigger point, to your point, when we went 1-0 down and people are talking about the second goal where Tarkovsky goes injured, absolutely that goal should have been disallowed. But will it? would it change the result? I ask you, would it change the result? No. Exactly. And that is the fundamental issue. There is an underlying problem with this team. There, the, this yeah. has to be rectified in January. Well, I thought it was very telling that he brought on Coleman and not Vinagre yesterday. Well, Vinagre wasn't in the squad. Oh, um, there you go. That's <laughs> telling. Sorry, guys. This, this, these faux pas happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, Vinagre wasn't in the squad. He's been injured, unfortunately. And I think that would have been the natural substitution. Um, but Coleman coming in at left-back as an inverted full-back is... It's not ideal. Sign. It's a sign that things are, are going wrong whether that's in the medical department or in the playing staff. I would have actually probably put Dwight McNeil left back and played a 3-5-2. I'd love to see him left back as well. I can't do any worse at the moment, can he? Yeah. We did it. We did next year uh, 0.83 goals yesterday. So that's less than a goal again. We've done that. How many games have we played this year? What are, how many games are we on now? 15. So the, the, the We've done that nine times below one. Yeah. Nine times below one is horrific. Like that's serious stuff. Um, I was meant to wanted to touch on, not dwell on it or anything, but do you think the incident after the game where somebody threw Awobi's jersey back at it, which I look, 
I get the anger and everything, and I'd probably be if I was amongst the crowd, I'd be right. You know, mm. strange things happen when you're in groups. You know, it's group psychology and all. We can. It's another podcast. But do you think that that's not helpful either? That's toxic. Uh, it's, it's in really the same way that Frank Lampard hung the others out to dry, it's, it's yeah. kind of a no, it's, it's kind of again. If you're the players, like, why fuck this? Like, you know, like I don't need this. Well, I think that's something. I think it, it, it's more, it's more the player involved. Alex Wobie has been fantastic. Let's not have two things. Two, let's not. Let's not. You know, get our wires. Oh, I agree. I love he's him. Been very yeah. good, and he's worked his. You know, he's worked his ass off for this yeah. club. He 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 does have a connection. We've we've bonded with him after we've seen his narrative from being failed signing under Marcel Brands to his arc number one player on the team sheet. Yeah, yeah, and we all love him. Only hope. Yeah, uh, and I think that gives a bit more of a sour taste to the whole scenario. However, when a team is performing as badly as the, these are, it is inevitable that there will be a lack of connection between the fans. And the club. These are some of these fans who went on to the away game have done that twice in a week. I know. They've spent I know. hundreds Fair of plan, yeah. and they've been let down by the first the midweek selection and the performance. And then this week, this uh the, yesterday by the actual performance itself. They will have hot reactions and hot takes. And I can't blame them for that. No. But if it's allowed to fester and it's not addressed by first an upturn in results and second by the club itself, this will set in like a deep rot like it did in the Benitez era, like mm. it did previously in the Koeman era. We we are not unique in that. Man United do it. Man United, have been, you know, they were booing their players left, right and centre. Now they have a team that's working. Everything is in harmony. Real Madrid do it when they throw the white hankies out. You know, Arsenal mm. hounded out their greatest ever manager in Arsene Wenger. We are not, we are not in, we're not unique in this. However, I do agree with the overall. Well, no, I don't like. Like I said, there, there is, there is mitigating factors here. Yeah, you've got probably one of the long, furthest geographically, one of the furthest away games twice in a week. Twice in a week, and then you add compound that with two of the worst, most unprofessional performances. And under, um, like, the performances are so below what we expect and so below what the players are paid for. Like in the cup game, Jerry Mina, right, who I love to, I don't have much time for him. He, I think in the cup game, his salary, weekly salary, was the equivalent of the rest of the Bournemouth team. I think he's in, in the red, like, not that because they're probably on 20 30 grand a week or whatever but it's not like i mean i'm just as it like more than a whole defense um so that so so obviously the the the, the fans they, they were massively underperforming on both things both games it's a, it's a geographically a, a, a far away place to go it's a long trip twice if you did it twice in a week fair play to you um i you know it's it's it's, it's an incredible um commitment and you were ripped off, completely ripped off. And I kind of do, I suppose, get the whole thing. But what I'm saying is that it's it, the 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 atmosphere now is turning. The atmosphere on Lampard really? is turning. 
And I don't know if Lampard, from his comments in midweek, when he hung the players out to dry, so he's... And, and, and now to this. I don't know. And then you're, you're going to... Like, if you're bringing this into the, into the boardroom, and then you're going by his stats, and you're and like this, he his job. I'm telling, I, I'm convinced. If he do we like is his job's under pressure. And then you look at Gerard and the Emre effect and everything. So there's examples there that we can follow. Well, you look at Scott Parker and and Bournemouth. Gary O'Neill has had a positive impact there. Uh, it can't be doubted because we've just come into the week where Benitez's record has overtaken Lampard's. He is. Under threat. So Lampard's the worst manager since Mike Walker. Well, statistically, yeah, that's what the stats would suggest. So what do you moment. do? Okay, so what do we do? Do we do we do we do we, you know, but he's over now good. and give him give the give because we got five weeks now of World Cup time, and give the, the new manager a chance to work with the, the squad and get his own players in. Oh, when when the transfer window well, opens, or the way I see it is. If you are going to make a change, this is the time to make a change. There'll be quite a few managerial changes throughout the throughout Europe right now. However, I'm in the camp of not making a change right now. We've talked briefly about, you know, Marco Silva and 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 other managers, Carlo Ancelotti, Ronald Koeman. We've mentioned all these all these managers in this podcast, none of which have succeeded. I think there's been meddling from the board level, particularly the ownership, and I think he's understanding now that he shouldn't be on the ground level. When we talk, when we compare Frank Lampard to Mike Walker, this is also, you know, arguably the last two scenes have been also the worst Everton teams since Mike Walker. Mm. So we have to give him that leeway. There is been positive change. There was uh, earlier in the season there was little green buds of recovery, but they've been completely hampered by a, a presumed reliance on Dominic Cavalier, which will never come to fruition. It will never come to fruition. And let's just put that line in the sand. Dominic Calvert-Lewin will never be fit for a full season. And that's not his fault. I'm not blaming him. But that is statistically what is, what is, what is going to happen. He's 25 and he has muscular injuries. He, before that, yeah, you know, you could say, oh, it was his knee, it was this, that. But he's got a groin injury. He's got hamstrings they're now talking about. His shoulder is not a, a muscular injury, but it's still there. And that can dislocate again anytime. Once it's dis- dislocated once, it dislocates again. So we're talking about serious recruitment needed to improve this. I am still putting my flag in the ground that we will not get relegated. We will finish, and if this is with good recruitment in January, probably 15th, between 16 and 12 this year. That's where we'll finish, and that's probably how good we are. Well, I think if we continue the at the, at the trajectory that we're going, we're we're going down. Um, and, and yeah, and it's if we recruit and we recruit well, if it beds in. I'm looking at all the other teams, and every team I watch is better than us. Every team I watch has got something more about them than we do. Yeah, but Con Leicester fans would say that about their team five weeks, six weeks ago. And yeah. it took one signing. It took Wout Fais to come in, shore up that defence. And all of a sudden, you've got a team that is actually progressive. So it can change that quickly. But I hope so. I hope so. Because he's got... I'm glad that game is the last game anyway for... Six weeks course. of this, mate. Yeah. I think the worry is what we're going to do for the next six weeks. Well, I think we're going to have some World Cup shows, aren't we? And yeah. Hate to the club... We'll definitely be talking about the stadium. We'll definitely be talking about recruitment. 
Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about World Cup players that made it. That were good. like we will be going to be looking at World Cup players transfers from World Cup. Yeah, World Cups is a great show in the making, surely. Overdone, yeah. but always great. I think we're going to talk to. Uh, we might get Ryan Williams on to talk some stats as well. Oh, I had an I had a Twitter debate with Ryan Williams. Uh, thank yeah. you, Ryan, for all the support for the show, by the way. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's he's one of my favorite con- contrarians on Twitter. He's great, isn't he? He gets yeah. it going, stirs the pot, <laughs> stirs the pot. So um, no, but he's a great stats man. So we're looking forward to having him on. Uh, and then we've got the World Cup. Obviously, we're going to be looking at players that have made it, players that haven't. Bogey World Cup signings, good World Cup signings. Remember, we signed Amakachi after the World Cup. Do you think oh. that was a successful signing or not 100%, a successful signing? Hundred percent a successful signing. I mean, the best sub that was never made. Um, yeah, absolutely. but he was he was crap though most of the time. Wasn't he? <laughs> I I will look. I was too young to actually have acknowledged how how bad a player he was at the time. Uh, but he he was he was average, and we didn't play him as a centre forward. When when I look back on things, kind of a right winger, right winger, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. which probably didn't lend favour to him. He scored, but, I think, my favourite ever. Not I'm not talking about the, the semi final goals, which are obviously iconic. But one of my favourite ever Everton goals, actually, was when we were actually flying that year. We just beat Newcastle in the quarterfinal. And we were into the semis. Or no, we just beaten we just beaten Spurs in the semis. And we had that period between, you know, the final and kind of the last few games of the season. Mm-hmm. We were playing Newcastle in a night game at Goodison. We won 2-0. And Limpar played about a 60-yard ball over to him. And he took it down. It was on Sky. He took it down, one touch, out of his feet, and then, like, bang, kind of outside of the right foot into the far top corner. It's probably one of my... If you go on YouTube and check it out... You know what? I will. One of my favourite ever Everton goals. Um, my my issue, like, Con, at that we time... We were purring then. My issue at that time, Con, was I was less than five years old. When that yeah, no, I, I'll remember it for you. <laughs> but, uh, no, there's lots of people out there, hopefully, that are listening. And I, I just want to say, actually, thanks for all the feedback and the followers and the listeners. It's kind of... um. I'm not going to be too cheesy about it. It's like not humbling or anything, but it's just yeah. nice, you know. And it's 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 um it's great to connect with so many other Evertonians, and um we look forward to bringing you more over the next several weeks, um and seeing where we go from here. The next games we have after the break, we've oh, got we'll Wolves at home, City away, Brighton transfer window. Then the, and then we got Brighton and Southampton, but you know we won't sign anybody until the end of the transfer window, so you can kind of forget those that Brighton well, and Southampton. Well, well this will be—I mean, I know we were going to end the show, but this will be a litmus test of the organization of the club and Kevin Thelwell's role. We have weeks, literal—we have a whole transfer window worth of time in order mm-hmm. to set up our transfers, identify targets, and if they haven't been doing it already, they need to be doing it now. Who's going? Who's staying? It looks like Michael Keane's out the door. Is Mason Holgate staying or not? I presume he will stay because Lampard has a bit of a soft spot for him. Rondon's role. These few weeks are a real litmus test for Kevin Thelwell and the board. Mm. Give Frank Lampard the tools to work with and let's see where we're at after that. Before we make any big kind of decisions. And and our transfer policy should not be dependent on the manager anyway. That's the point of the director of football. So if we do end up changing the manager during or after the transfer window, it shouldn't affect the direction of the club. That's what a well-run club does. I suppose we should wrap it up. So without further ado, I've been Connor Skelly. And I've been Ahmed Katak. And we've been the Bramley Moore Blues.
Yeah, but 